0: Good morning. good morning. It's uh, sobering always to think of all the the people who have died in our wars and all, but I tell you, just from a point of view of a beautiful weekend, it's always good to have a weekend where we can get an extra day and uh, get out and play, isn't it? Um, I... Uh, Thank God for all the plans that have been made, and I pray that they'll all be fun and God, God-honoring. It, um, there's always so much um, in each of these verses. God is good in how he uh, gives us uh, these things to study. Um, we continue today in this section about division. Um, That's in the Corinthian church. It really covers the first four chapters of uh, the book. And uh, we have these themes really uh, covered today of worldly wisdom, which have been talked about a couple times already uh, here in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And the idea of, I don't know whether to call them favored or exalted leaders, Um, that have divided the church. And it's not the leaders that divided the church, but the people divided amongst those leaders. So let me say this up front. um, I am blissfully and thankfully unaware of any such divisions here at Heather Hills Baptist Church. Uh, If there are divisions, don't come and tell me about it. I don't want to know about it. I, I like to think that we're a church that loves each other and that we're getting along well together, and um, it's our job, too. It's our job, too. So let's hope this will be a preventative lesson for us and not corrective. Um, just right off the bat, as we read through this, uh, scriptures, uh, it was kind of fun that um, last Sunday the women's group, study group, went through and did some of the things that uh, the pastors and I usually do on our little Simeon Trust sheet and try to uh, outline the the scripture and run from there and uh, try to uh, make it all make sense. Um, so just in that line, I was thinking of... Um, These six verses, um, and the things that I noticed as I looked at it and looked at it and circled words and circled phrases is that it seems to be two big commands here. The first one in verse 18, let no one deceive himself. And then uh, the second command we have is, so let no one boast in men. So that's how I divided this. So it'd be verse 18 through 20 is one section, and the next section, 21 down through 23. Uh, there is one interesting thing that we see also, is the, uh, in verse 21, where it's, So let no one boast in men. It took me a couple readings to realize and talking to Pastor Brian and Pastor Trey that um, there's a so in there. And sometimes we might have translated that uh, or think of it as a therefore. So Paul's uh, coming to a conclusion after those first three verses. And he says, so... And then he gives us his conclusion here in these uh, last three verses. So that's kind of neat. But in these last three verses, thinking of it being more his conclusion, I, I also noticed one of the things you go through and you underline all the phrases that are repeated. And we have this phrase in verse 21, For all things are yours. And then... Down below in verse 22, it says, all are yours. Very similar. I think it means the same thing. All things are yours. And so I use those things to decide that um, that'd be the title of my sermon. All things are yours. And I'll let you wonder about that till we get it. But let, I'll let you in on a little secret. He means it. Everything is ours. If we are Christians, if we love the Lord, everything is ours. So, two commands, two parts, three verses each. Isn't that a nice little uh, way of dividing it up? So, we continue today in this section about division in the Corinthian church. The themes of worldly wisdom and favored or exalted leaders had divided the church. Um... And here we start with verse 18 through 20. We um we read that and we um we think uh wow. Um who is deceiving who? What is going on here? The um I also think there's an idea here of not just deception but of uh people thinking they're wise when they're not. And I guess that's the self-deception that's going on. They think they're wise, but they're really not. And uh, when we make our opinion, it's a good quote, when we make our opinion to be the authority rather than the word of God, divisions will come. And uh, that's a John MacArthur quote. Uh, I think he's trustworthy. Um, no, I, I really enjoy him. But uh, then I think of some scriptures that just uh, talk to us in this about uh, being wise in our own eyes, basically. 1 Corinthians one twenty six to 26-31, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. You're probably here because you're foolish in the world. Um, Let's consider that a good thing. Let's consider that a good thing. Uh, To shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Okay, I just promoted you. Now you have wisdom from God because of Christ Jesus. So, you Let's get rid of that worldly wisdom, but now we've got wisdom from God. Righteousness, sanctification, redemption, so that as it is written, let no one boast. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Uh, Just another little short verse, uh, Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. Turn away. Verse 19, now, God catches the wise in their craftiness. Um, there are so many people in the world that are trying to uh, find their way around Christianity. It's, uh, it's literally hated around the world, except for those who have accepted it. And it's amazing, but um, they think they are wise, by uh, hating it, rejecting it. Verse 20, and of course that's an Old Testament quote from Job 5.13. Then in verse 20 we have another quote, Psalm 94.11. The Lord knows the thought of the wise that they are futile or vain. Romans one twenty two. Uh, I thought of there just as a comment on that. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Um we see it often. I uh when you talk to people who aren't Christians, when you talk to people who maybe claim they're atheists, uh in the long run, they show themselves to be uh fools or futile in their thinking or vain in their thinking. I uh because of these key words here, the uh becoming uh Fools, but uh, also the idea that um, the idea to desire to be wise and the idea of craftiness. I looked back to uh, the fall in Genesis 3, and of course, it's a story you can't read without being sad. Uh, Adam and Eve, you know, they were real people. And they were living in a perfect world, and yet they chose to mess it up. And we still pay the consequence today. Now, could I have done any better? I'm sure I wouldn't have. Um, I'm sure I wouldn't have. Uh, Okay, I'm going to do verses 1 to 6 in chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty, there's that word again that I was talking about, than any other beast of the field and that the, that the lord god had made he said to the woman did god actually say to you you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the woman said to the serpent we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, we all know what she did. She took the fruit, she ate it, she handed it to Adam, and Adam's just as much to blame. He was standing right beside her, and he ate it too. Um, That desire to be wise is big in us humans. Um, So many of us want to be wise in front of the world, and um, It gets us into trouble quite often, and we need to really watch that. There should not, just a statement here, uh, as I was thinking about it, there should not be worldly wisdom or opinion in areas such as. Now, worldly wisdom has its spots, is what I'm going to tell you here. But it shouldn't be in the knowledge of God, Uh, We have the Bible for the knowledge of God. We've got a lot of good teachers teaching it. Uh, We do not need worldly wisdom in the knowledge of God. We We don't need it in salvation. We know how we get salvation. The Bible tells us. Or the principles of life. And when I think of that, I think of, well, should I get married or should we live together? Um should we keep this baby we've had or should we get it aborted um should we what how should we discipline our kids uh how should we raise our kids um those are all things that are principles of life uh, that we need to make sure that um, we put in godly wisdom into those ideas not worldly wisdom We can hear that worldly wisdom, and it's wrong. We can hear it every day. We learn to have godly wisdom when we submit our minds and lives to the revelation of God. And of course, you're not doing that unless you're a Christian, number one. But um, we need to study this Bible. We need to pick out of it the things that tell us how we should be living. And... um, And all of that. Um, Now, wouldn't it be nice to have good worldly wisdom if your car breaks down at the side of the road? Yeah, it sure would. The Bible probably doesn't tell me how to change the tire. Um, Be nice, I'm building a house, if I was. um, To have some people with some good worldly wisdom on how to make the labor or the... um, lumber fit in there, how to uh, put the doors in, and uh, where to put the windows, what kind of roofing to use. There's a lot of wise people on that kind of stuff. Get your computer fixed. I'm blessed with two guys, uh, two sons that uh, know a lot about computers, and um, they probably are sad sometimes that we call them all the time. (laughs) Uh, I, I think most of us older people, we, we have to admit that um, we don't even know how to do the TV sometimes. And if you bring in like a 10-year-old kid, he could make it do anything, and you'd be like, wow. Um, you know, getting a broken leg fixed, uh, going to the doctors. Um, we still, we pray to God. Uh, we know that he is the ultimate healer. But uh, they have some wisdom, and it's helpful. And uh, we're grateful for that. Well, let's go from that first section now to the second section. Um, Verses 21 to 23. Um, So let no one boast in men. We... um, again, boasting is such a worldly thing, isn't it? Um, You know, how many times at a sporting event do you see, we're number one, we're number one. Um, And, you know, uh, in so many ways, we have pride of um, people, um, and we even see it pride in sins at times, that, oh yeah, we're... uh, we're the uh, lesbian group, and we're proud, and uh, it's sad. It's sad to see that. Um, so boasting in men is, is just not right. Psalm 5.5, 5, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Uh, I threw this in just to be honest about every one of us that's in here too. Romans three twenty three all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing to boast about there, is there? Unless we want to boast about God and that he sent Jesus to save us. Uh, we can boast about that. Jesus is the man we can boast about. Um Uh, Let's see. Next, all things are yours. This is the one that I just thought is amazing as I uh, looked at that. Uh, All things are yours. And I kept looking, well, there's probably something here that says, you know, unless you don't believe enough. Or unless you don't do this. Or unless you don't do that. But I don't see that in here. Uh, He honestly... Paul is telling us all things are yours and he repeats it twice now if you're not excited about that you really should be now there's some bad things with going with all things but there's a lot more good things um, that all things are yours Romans 8 28 of course most of you have learned and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Somehow, God makes things work together for our good. Now the problem for from our point of view is that includes all the bad things that happen, doesn't it? And um, But we can trust that promise. Uh, Romans 8. 31 and 32, not far away, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He's given us all things. Uh, I think that's mind-blowing to us that, you know, worked a, worked a, a job our whole career and retired, and we have our little, we have our house, we have our car, that we got it near retirement, hoping it'll last as long as it can, and, um, you know, what we have, we're we're thankful we have it, but, um to suddenly realize that we have all things. We have all things uh, from God. And now, I'm not Joel Osteen up here telling you that tomorrow you're going to get a $100,000 job or um, anything like that. But we truthfully and honestly have all things. We receive all things in Christ now, this was interesting to me because I'm not a Greek person or a Hebrew person um, was that uh, Pastor Brian told me the um, where it says um, "All things are yours, and all are yours um it's talking in a plural there, and it's, so it's saying they belong to the church, but they also belong to you. Uh, so we, we as a church, and I think that especially apply, applies in these first uh, three things that we see. Let me uh, let me read these, all things are yours. Um, verse 22 whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours. We, um, we see that um, uh, Apollos, Paul, Peter, they're all, they were all the churches, and here the church was dividing over which one they were following. Well, Follow them all three. Two of them were apostles, for goodness' sake. And uh, what a pleasure that would be to be under, you know, apostle teaching you. Um, so we and really Apollos. It, it mentions in uh, Romans that he was an eloquent speaker, an expert in Old Testament teacher uh, scriptures. Um, We've all heard speakers that are just so good. Sometimes I, uh, oh, we've heard so many at conferences and stuff that you're like, "Wow, how does he do that?" Uh, John Piper or um, so many others. I um, I I read a lot of them. Um, Let me see. Uh, I have, um, I brought these up here today. No, because I'm not going to talk about them. But uh, Pastor gave me these 10 commentaries to look at uh, for my sermon, for my little six verses. And um, my mind was blown. Uh, But these are good teachers, God's given us those. They didn't even have those back in, uh, in uh, Paul's time. And so we have even more teachers than they could even imagine back then. Uh, I, I think the Bible is telling us, I know the Bible is telling us, that we're to be in an in a individual church. We're supposed to have an individual church. And we do. Um, So, mainly, we're going to hear who? Pastor Brian, Pastor Trey, Pastor Greg, and occasionally Randy, and occasionally Doug, um, and we're grateful for that. But there's nothing wrong with when the conference comes to town, and you go downtown, and you see, um, you name them. Uh, I, I can't remember them all, there's so many. But I'm grateful for those kind of people, the ones that write you books and uh, all that's good information. So we should not cast those away because all things are or are yours. Um, we um, well let me uh, let me look at another little thing here, because some of you may be wondering like um Was there a problem there at the church that they were dividing over those three? um, Apollos, Peter, and Paul. Was there a problem there? Should they have divided? Of course, Paul tells us no. And I got this out of one of these lovely books. So um, just read it here a second. Now let me say something at this point, very important to you, understand, to your understanding of what this means. There are some genuine basis for preferring one teacher over another. This is true. You say, what are they? Well, number one is faithfulness. If you have a faithful man, and by that I mean a man whose life is consistent, a man who gives evidence of the walk in the Holy Spirit continually and believes God, and he is a teacher. And over here, you have a man who is inconsistent, whose spiritual commitment is ragged. It's obvious to me that if I were to commit myself to one of those two, it would be the faithful man, right? All right, another thought, the holiness area which ties right into it. If you have here a man who is holy, whose life is a godly life, whose life manifests purity, and over there you have a guy who's always falling flat on his nose in the area of purity, and always goofing up his life and messing up his life, and you have a choice to submit to one or the other of those. Obviously, You have a right and a reason, and really you should submit to the one who's a godly man. That's very obvious as opposed to one who's got all kinds of sordidness in his life. There's another area, knowledge. If you have a teacher over here who knows the word of God and teaches me the word of God, And someone over there who doesn't know the scripture, who's inadequate to know the scripture, who doesn't study to know the scripture, and there are two unequals. And I would submit myself to the one who knew the word of God. Now mark this, uh, people, those factors are not what Paul is talking about. Obviously, you're not going to go to some place where they've got an unfaithful, unholy, ignorant guy preaching. Hopefully you're not. But you're going to submit yourself to a faithful, godly, knowledgeable man who's committed to the Word of God. And I I threw this list together quickly, and I think there's probably a few others I could put on here. But... um, When he mentions that, um, a faithful, godly, knowledgeable man, I think of Pastor Brian, Pastor Trey, Randy, Doug, um, and I think of our ABF teachers too, Greg Sethman, Greg Clark, Ralph, Michael Maurice, Greg Gillen. And I know there's more, and I'm, I'm sorry if I left somebody off. The women have a great complement of um, capable and godly women to teach. Um, And they do that in uh, teaching other women, and we're grateful for that. So uh, I feel like we are really blessed here at our church. But um, mark this also, that was not the problem at Corinth. Paul and Apollos and Peter were all faithful, godly men committed to the truth. Of course they were. We know that. The Bible would have told us if they weren't. That wasn't the issue. He is saying there shouldn't be division where there isn't any division. You see, where it's only a personality call. I mean, the Bible doesn't even assume that you go to a place and hear Some unfaithful, unholy person. And thank God we have choices. And um, hopefully, I feel like this is one of those places where you can go and you can hear God's word and you can trust it. But that's just the beginning of what uh, Paul is saying are ours um, when we have believed in Christ. He says the world is ours. Interestingly enough, Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The whole universe is his. And uh, so if he wants to allow us to uh, own it too, uh, he's the one that can do it. Think of the Sermon on the Mount, um, where he's talking about the... uh, Um, the blessedness of different people. And he says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Um, They literally inherit the earth. And you know who meek people are? Most They're Christians. If you're not meek, you're not a Christian. Uh, If you haven't bowed down before the Lord, and if he is not way up there and we're way down here in your mind um, you're not the Christian you should be and you need to relook at yourself Um, so the world you think well you know I just got a little apartment and uh, I I can't afford a car somebody gives me a ride and uh, that's fine but you need to go outside every now and then and look and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a, a joint heir with Jesus. Uh, God is my Father. Uh, I, I own part of this. You know, I own all of this, not just part of it. Uh, God has given it all to us. And so enjoy the earth. Um, we often think, oh, the earth is such a mess, uh, politics, um, all the evil things that happen. And yeah, that's part of it too. But um, he has given us the world, uh, life. He gives us life. Um, John fourteen six, of course, that's Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, but we get life when we become a Christian. Uh, John 10.10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Um, sometimes the abundance is, um, is the joy that he's given us in our mind. We may have the, a difficult and terrible life. In some regards, but if we have the Lord, if we have His joy, um, then we have abundant life. And of course, the most obvious to me is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Um, and again, as I said, uh, yes. Um, some of you will say but does this include sickness and suffering yes it does and uh, remember that verse we had before all things are working together for our good even when we're sick even when we're suffering he gives us death and you think oh my goodness what kind of present is that um paul Looked at, looked forward to it, in First Corinthians five 8, 2 Corinthians five eight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. He says quite honestly, you know, any time, Lord, take me. I'm here. I want it. And um, Romans fourteen eight. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Um, One person put it this way, and and, um, I think in my mind, that's the way I think of it. Death is our key to Jesus. Death is our key to Jesus. From this side, we all think, oh, I don't want to die. But the second we do, We're in the presence of the Lord. And the suffering, the pain, what we've gone through here is all disappears from our mind. And uh, we're in the perfectness, the sinlessness of eternity with God. And uh, that look to see Jesus face to face, it's, um, it's something I look forward to and uh and yet at the same time i hope i have lots of years with my kids and grandkids but uh don't cry for me uh if the lord were to come or if he were to take me home the present he has also given us this time now very similar to where we said life um but i thought of this as, as, as this verses here as i uh, thought of um those questions we had about suffering and uh, tough times that we might have. Romans eight thirty three to 39. So who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And that's us who have believed in him. It is God who justifies. Um, When I was a kid, we had a pastor that always said, he justifies, meaning it's just as if you never sinned if you've trusted in him. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, um, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. My goodness, those last couple verses, um, they're like, wow, I don't want to go through all that. Uh, but then Paul lifts us back up, I feel like. Uh, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. Boy, uh, that's, that's big words to say, isn't it? Uh, through his love, uh, these bad things actually make us conquerors. He has made us conquerors over those things. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Christ Jesus. You make the the present our life. You make it all worthwhile. Um, The future. Wow. There's so much you could say about the future as you think of, um, you know, is there a millennial reign and what that will be like. I also think of the thousand uh past the thousand year reign um just um when we uh when we go to be with him permanently um Jesus has said in fourteen john fourteen two to four in my father's house there are many rooms. if it would not were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you will be also. And you know the way where I am going. I know it's up. How I get there, I like the idea of, remember Lazarus when he died and the, uh, the angels came and took him to Abraham's bosom? Uh, it would be fun if an angel would give us, a, give us a ride to our permanent home. Anyway, um, all that sounds good. Um, and then verse 23, if you don't have comfort in all that, I hope you have comfort in verse 23. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. This is, uh, is one of my favorite verse, I just think of that. This it is in uh, the idea of if we have been saved, we're saved forever, and we can't be unsaved. John 10:27 to 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And this we see where he says, um, you are Christ and Christ is God's. He says here, I and the Father are one. And that's, that's one of those mind-blowing things that uh, we has, um, has finite people I don't think we'll ever understand the infinite. Maybe we will when we see it. I'm not sure we even will then. Um, how God can be three persons and um, and yet be one, one substance. Well, as the praise band comes up, um, we're going to wrap up here. And I was thinking of... Um, Oh, one of these first verses um, in verse 18, if we go back. Let him who, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So those that are uh, very wise in their own eyes, those that uh, are worldly wise, we want to look at an idea of how they can become fools like us. And uh, we love to see that happen today, even. Um, First of all, I'd say we need to repent of sin, renounce our worldly wisdom and our self-righteousness. We need to humble ourselves and ask Jesus To save us by his blood shed on the cross for our sin. Ask God to give us his wisdom and start learning from the Bible. If you have done that, if you do that, suddenly you'll be on the road to being a fool, but also gaining worldly or godly wisdom. And that's what we want uh, we hope, as we all sit here every week, we're gaining a little more godly wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I, this, these couple verses next, and I'll probably, gosh, I, I have a hard time stopping. Romans 10, 9, and 10, I just feel like this explains it more to me uh, about how I believe. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. We need to confess. We need to the Lord. Now, as I'm thinking of these people who were dividing amongst teachers, I think a lot of them were probably Christians, actually, sadly. And so to them, I would offer a couple of last verses here, and then I'm, then I'm done. Uh, Matthew 18, to 4 At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, of course, I think they all wanted to hear their names spoken there, but it wasn't. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Uh, Humbleness is our key there, I think, that if uh, we can get over ourselves and put God first, it's going to change our lives forever and for eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have promised us all things, it's just mind-blowing, that you would love us in that way, that you would take us sinners, and you would wipe away our sin debt and allow us to be heirs, joint heirs with Jesus, and that you would be our Father forever. Lord, we pray that many might come to that point If not even today, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.